I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 106 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty fantasy football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvanLution, like Revolution, but with my name Evan at the start. You get it. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates. You can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, things you love, things you hate, things you want to hear more of about the show, let me know. Guys, I really hope you're enjoying these divisional breakdowns. I certainly am. It has been an absolute blast. I am so excited for football to be back. We are covering the AFC East this week. I have amazing guest Rich over on the show. Check him out on Twitter at Dynasty Island. It is awesome. And again, just a very quick PSA. Just a reminder, these shows were pre-recorded. I'm actually away here in August in the States. Three weeks. Vacay. It's awesome, but I wanted to make sure you guys are getting some sweet, sweet content, get you ramped up, ready for the season. So 90, 95% of this material is still absolutely fresh and ready to go. It was only recorded here in July, but if there is like a little, you know, injury or training camp news that I missed, that is why. So apologies, but hopefully you enjoyed anyway. Let's go. The main event. Fight. We are talking AFC East. We've already talked the Buffalo Bills. If you missed that episode, go back and check it out. It was a doozy, if I do say so myself. We are talking the New England Patriots, the long-hated, much-maligned New England Patriots who have really done a lot of psychological damage to Rich and all, all football fans not from the New England area. Rich, are you ready to talk about this? Are you able? Can I ask, are you able to give non-biased uh, analysis of the New England Patriots? I can't guarantee non-bias, but I've never been so excited to talk about the Patriots. I think in my 23, 24 years of uh, New York Jets fandom, I uh, this, is, this is the most excited I've been for a Patriots season. Well, there you have it, folks. So let's dive into it. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention at the start here, I'm going to give you a little recap of last year, how it went, any changes, major changes in coaching staff or personnel on the offensive side. We're going to talk our expectations, our thoughts for the 2022 season. Then we're going to get into the weeds, talking some buys, sells, and stashes, uh, and wrap it up with a nice, juicy, bold prediction. So if we look at last year for the New England Patriots, they finished 10 and 7, second in the division, and they got absolutely pummeled in the playoffs um pretty much just got beat like they stole something they did have some major changes on the coaching staff side they lost their offensive coordinator josh mcdaniels to the las vegas raiders three assistant coaches followed mcdaniels as well as and the running back coach ivan fears longtime running back coach has retired so quite a lot of upheaval actually in in the in the sort of coaching staff of the new england patriots um joe judge has been brought in as an offensive assistant uh, matt patricia is there knocking about i forget his exact title but nobody has the actual like offensive coordinator um title yet as such so that's a bit of an up in the air we're not sure what's going to happen is master belichick himself going to call the plays we don't know are they just going to establish the run 48 times a game we don't know it's a lot of craziness going on 
Um, as far as the personnel on the offensive side of it, James White did sign a two-year, $5 million contract extension. They brought in Ty Montgomery for a two-year, $3.6 million contract extension. And they traded for Devonta Parker from divisional rivals, the Miami Dolphins, which was a pretty surprising move. In the draft, they tried to address some of their um, offensive needs, but they did it again, a very Patriots fashion with a bit of a head scratcher move here. The wide receiver room probably was everyone's top priority when looking at this roster. They went ahead and drafted Tyquan Thornton in the second round. Um, but yeah, I'll say no more about that at the moment. They went ahead and grabbed a couple more running backs, Pierre Strong Jr. in the fourth round and Kevin Harris in the sixth round as well as their backup quarterback of the future, Bailey Zappi, in the fourth round. They did also bring in Lil Jordan Humphrey uh, on a one-year contract over from the Saints. So again, not sure how much that moves the needle for you, but it did happen. And they traded away uh, past, can we... Is it safe to call him a bust at this stage? Nikhil Harry um, to the Chicago Bears. So an absolute minefield of changes and movement and things happening. A lot to get your head around. Rich, you've said you're excited. What are you excited for? What are your thoughts on the 2022 New England Patriots? I'm ready for it all to to kind of fall apart. Maybe a little bit too strong, but uh, I'm ready for for some regression, shall we say? Uh, I think that anytime you're rolling out the words Matt Patricia and offense in the same sentence, um, I think it causes terror and fear. I think that, you know, we talked about it in the last episode with Brian Dable leaving Buffalo Bills and and that being an underrated loss. Well, you know, Josh McDaniels is, is right up there in terms of those offensive minds and you've not even got anybody that's got any kind of pedigree replacing him. Um, that is a real concern. I think that, they were buoyed last year by some some strong uh, defensive performance, some you know always strong special teams. And I think they overproduced kind of what they should have been, and I I fully expect them to take a step back this year as as a team as a whole. Really, I totally understand where you're coming from. I think that for me as well, you know, you look at it and you think. Bill Belichick, sort of like, you know, Kyle Shanahan, there's a couple of like managers, uh, coaches, um, just heads of franchises where you know that ultimately it's like their way or the highway. They've got their fingerprints all over this. But and Bill Belichick is the obviously he's an amazing um, head coach. He's just seen it all, done it all. But he is well known to be kind of a defensive minded head coach. That is his specialty. That is where his focus is. And um, yeah, it, it is concerning. I, I think you're right in saying that you lose somebody like Josh McDaniels and you don't really even have an heir apparent. We know that Matt Patricia's tenure in Detroit did not go well. Um, you know, as far as being a head coach there and their offenses were not particularly powerful or uh, anything to write home about Joe judge fresh off of a absolute failed attempt at being a head coach in New York. So again, they might be much better suited to the roles they play in New England. And I'm sure that ultimately what they're doing is going to be under the, the, you know, the ever keen eye of Bill Belichick. But at the same time, it does leave a lot of questions to be answered. Now, one thing that we've been doing and one thing I'm going to continue to do in our divisional breakdown is I do want to just sort of look at last year's underlying stats to give us a bit of a snapshot. Now it's going to be difficult with McDaniels leaving, but we're going to sort of look at what did they do? What did they accomplish last year in a relatively successful year with a rookie quarterback um, in Mac Jones 
And as far as their pace of play, they were 24th. As you can imagine, it doesn't really surprise me to know they're on the slower side of the pace of play, very methodical and kind of um, just plodding along, knowing what they're going to do, grinding you down with their running back by committee, um, kill them with a thousand, death by a thousand cuts sort of approach. But a couple of things that did actually surprise me was last year, uh, again, one of the stats that I talk about in these divisional breakdowns is DVOA. So again, if you haven't listened, that is defense adjusted value over average. So it looks at what happened in each play or each game and what would the expectation be for an average NFL offense and did you overachieve or underachieve based on that? They rank them, gives you an idea of how powerful or how anemic offenses were. Surprisingly enough, the New England Patriots were ninth in DVOA last year. Previous before that, so in 2020 with Cam Newton and all that kind of craziness, they were 23rd. So it was quite a big, massive step up. Josh McDaniels was there both years. I feel like some of that credit maybe has to go to Mac Jones. He was a much better, much better quarterback than what they had had there the year before, um, ever since Tom Brady had left, really. And again, so after we look at DVOA, another thing I look I like to look at is kind of their success rates in run, in pass, um, and what do we consider successful? So just to quantify that, a play is considered successful when it gains at least 40% of yards to go on first down, 60% of yards to go on second down, and 100% of yards to go on third or fourth down. In the run game, they were 51% success rate, which was eighth in the league. 49% success in the past, which is again, eighth in the league overall 50% success rate, which you guessed it eighth in the league. Those kind of surprised me. I, I expected them. I knew they were very efficient and very good at the run game. I wasn't aware off the top of my head, how successful they were in the passing game and overall in their success rates. But again, some of that is going to go to Josh McDaniels and his scheme. So we we're not sure, you know, that's the thing is we're not 100% sure how much of that is going to carry over. Is it going to carry over, especially if you have a hodgepodge of Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Bill Belichick, all kind of getting in there. Who knows who's calling plays? Who knows how things are going? And they haven't been very forthcoming in explaining that and clarifying that, which I don't think Bill Belichick is ever in a hurry to explain himself to anybody. Um, that's not a surprise. And here's the thing, I guess, where we get really nervous, probably as fantasy football players. We look at sort of their targets, how much they pass the ball, the distribution. There's a pretty small pie to cut. Um, they were 22nd in total targets. They only threw the ball 493 times. And it's really interesting when you start breaking it down by position group. So in their actual targets to the wide receiver position, they were 24th. The target share was only 56.2% um, for 277 targets going to the wide receiver room. Now, granted, they did not have a great wide receiver room last year. So that could certainly be part of the problem. But when you're talking about, we just talked about the Bills last um, episode at a 70, over a 70% target share to the wide receivers. To go down to 56 is quite an alarming drop. They are they were 11th in running back target share, 20.7 percent. So 102 running backs to the 102 targets to the running back room. They probably they felt like they had 102 running backs as well. To be fair, I do feel like they have almost every running back known to man. And they were ninth in targets to the tight end position, 23.1 percent um, target share goes to the tight end room, 120 targets. So that kind of gives you a bit of a, a sort of, a, again, a snapshot of what they achieved last year. Now, how much of that was down to Mac Jones? I think some of the credit does go to him. I think he's undervalued for what he is and what he does. Again, I find it very interesting that their DVOA under Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham and whoever else, Brian Hoyer, was 23rd in 2020, and it went up to 9th. Um, so, yes, some of that obviously goes to Josh McDaniels, but I don't think all the credit can go simply to Josh McDaniels because I think if he could have done something better, he would have but 
now that we've talked some facts and figures, some numbers, we put some meat on the bones there. Um, do you have any thoughts, any of those things that jump out to you, any takeaways that jump out to you, Rich? And also, I'm going to ask you for that magic number between 1 and 10. Um, how confident, or should I say, how unconfident are you in the New England Patriots offensive skill position players for 2022? I think I was perhaps a little surprised just how efficient they were. I, You know, in my head, I'd thought they were an efficient offense and, and had always thought that. Um, but I didn't quite realise quite how high they were in some of those uh, key stats that, that you mentioned. In terms of my confidence level, um, I'm, I'm at a four. Um, I'm mainly because I'm, I'm lower than consensus on most of the team. Um, I just think that as a team, as an offence, they're going to take a step back. I think you know the downgrade in offence coordinator is huge. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think the skill players are, are going to see that decline as such. That is harsh. I feel like there's a little, I'm going to be honest, I feel like there's a little bit of bias there. I feel like as a, a long-suffering Jets fan, you're just sticking the knife in a little bit. Um, I, I'm low-ish, but I'm at a five and a half, 5.5. I'm not as low as you. I think there is value there. I think you have to be like maybe pick and choose where you're taking that value. And I think you have to be reasonable with your expectations, what you're hoping for from that value. But I'm not, I'm not leaving them on the, on the negative side of the halfway mark here like you are um i mean let, let's just let, let's move right along here before we um start having a funeral for the new england patriots before their time we're gonna talk some actual players so we're gonna pick out a buy who we want to acquire who we're buying the hype on we're gonna talk about a buy like a goodbye see you later and a sneaky stash from the patriots for 2022 but also for our dynasty rosters because it is a dynasty show rich as the guest try to put the bias aside and let's talk a buy who do you want to, who do you want on your team from the new england patriots so it's uh, a hunter henry um who I'd, I'd like to differentiate this perhaps maybe i'm getting a little bit too into the weeds but for me hunter henry is a massive buy in non-tight end premium leagues and i think that people don't differentiate tight end value enough between the two i think everybody just thinks tight end premium you boost the value of all tight ends but i think in a normal league hunter henry is he is on the the kind of more touchdown reliant side should we say of tight ends but i think this is a guy that you know he produced a a, a top 12 rate last year of, of 30 percent of games he was a top 24 tight end in two-thirds of his games um i think yes he is touchdown reliant but we've shown that throughout his career and, and when healthy he is a red zone weapon and i think that i wouldn't be shocked if he was second third in targets in this offense and i think that a tight end 18 to me that's that's massively undervalued yeah i agree and and even like we mentioned there you know they they do pass to the tight end a lot now whether that was just mac jones as a rookie and things like that we don't know exactly but certainly looking at last year 23 percent target share to tight ends that's ninth in the nfl it's very solid and it and i think you're right we talked in the buffalo bills about how for me dawson knox was a sell at tight end 10 similar sort of a thing he's very touchdown dependent on his value we've seen that quite often from hunter henry though that he is able to be a red zone target and on top of that he's like you said tight end 18 he's a lot cheaper if dawson knox was coming in at tight end 17 18 19 i wouldn't be saying he's a sell i'd be like he's fine he's a great value there but yeah i agree with that one i like it my buy is actually jacoby myers so he is coming in he comes in at wide receiver 63 so that's really funny to me especially because when you think about 
like we've touched on, like you touched on even, um, how efficient this offense was. I think people just don't get that. They don't, it doesn't sink in. They don't believe it maybe. Um, and, and they don't really believe it. They don't really see that as an efficient offense. They see it as just kind of gross um, and they don't want any part of it. But the great thing about Jacoby Myers, he's still only 25 years old. He managed to get 120. I mean, he didn't manage to, he earned 126 targets last year, which again, if we look at this, they don't pass that much and they don't pass to the, wide receiver that much either i mean their targets to the wide receiver we've already mentioned 277 he managed to get 126 of them you know so he's coming up on what like 40 percent of the target share for the wide receiver position he managed to finish as wide receiver 30 last year with only two touchdowns if they become any more efficient um, in their connection if he gets a few more touchdowns which would not be unreasonable even if he doesn't wide receiver 30 but you're getting him at wide receiver 63 prices i mean that is crazy value i think that he's one of those guys you're regularly able to get in like the double digit rounds which is wild especially if you just love stacking wide receivers and always having some guys on the bench that you can plug in and play at the last minute's notice i think he's somebody you can certainly go out and get as well it wouldn't surprise me if he again leads them in targets this year and um, has a great year i mean it wouldn't surprise me if he managed to push into the top 24 wide receivers possibly um, just with his volume and with another year for mac jones to develop and get better so that would be my sort of buy my sort of guy that I would really probably prioritize out of everybody from the New England Patriots this year. What about a buy? Goodbye. See you later. Now, again, let's try and take your bias aside. Let's not say everybody. Let's just try and pick one. <laughs> let's pick one, Rich, and let's be reasonable here. Um, I've already seen your name, and I disagree with this strongly, but I want to hear your rationale because I respect you, and I appreciate you coming on. So so who is your buy? Who are you getting rid of? So before, before you start disagreeing too much, Evan, I think this is, to me, this is kind of a – pick your flavor in terms of where I'm at. So I've picked Mac Jones, who's currently going as the quarterback 18. So for me, if I'm picking a quarterback in this range of drafts, I want someone that's a little bit sexier and got a bit more upside. I would rather somebody like a Justin Fields, a Jameis Winston, even a Zach Wilson, that I think has got that perceived upside and higher ceiling than a Mac Jones. If I'm going for a safer pick, then I'm quite happy waiting another three, four, five rounds and just getting a, you know, a Baker Mayfield, a Matt Ryan, and and just rolling it over in a, in a couple of years when, when those guys move on. I think that Mac Jones doesn't have that elite top five, top six, top 10 potential, really. But his price is inflated because of his age and the fact that people are looking at him and saying, I've got this quarterback for the next 15 years. So I just think that where he's going in drafts, I would either pay that price for someone that I perceive as having a higher ceiling or would rather wait longer and get a cheaper quarterback that might not have that longevity um, but I think has has got the same ceiling in in the short term. I I I I disagree. I I think I agree with you in the sense that I don't necessarily believe he has like top five upside. So I agree there. I I get that. I do think he could he could easily slot into like a low end QB one and just be one of those like Derek Carr sort of like really reliable, dependable QB eleven to fourteen every year sort of guys. And if you're getting that as like 
a low end or mid to low end QB two. I think that's fine. I do think he can certainly outperform a QB 18, you know, ADP. I mean, he had the exact same touchdowns, fewer interceptions than Derek Carr. The only difference was yardage this year. And that's as a rookie. Um, and honestly, we've talked about it already. His best receiving weapon was a UDFA. Um, you know, I, I don't think, and I'm not saying it's much better this year, but I'm just saying that I don't think that Mac Jones is as bad or as like, as vanilla and boring as we make him out to be. He was a top 12 graded PFF quarterback as a rookie. Um, he he had, I, I saw a really interesting stat. I should have saved it. I saw a really interesting stat today. I believe it was on Twitter. Something about like, I think he had the same air yards as Joe Burrow this year. You know, it was very interesting. I think there's a lot there that people aren't really, and, and I get that he's not a Konami code quarterback. Um, so I get that there's that, you know, kind of frustration that maybe he doesn't have that kind of elite upside, but I think he's actually a really good quarterback and he definitely performed the best out of any of the rookie quarterbacks last year. And we had a potential, a supposedly generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. You know, we had a Zach Wilson who everyone was excited to see what he had, Justin Fields. I mean, he performed better than all those guys. So I'm not sure. I'm not sold that he's a sell, but I guess we were in a league together. I could buy him off you and we could both be happy. My buy as in see you later is actually Damian Harris. So I don't hate Damian Harris. I think he's actually been really good for what he is. Um, he, he was really solid last year. He performed really well. He had a lot of uh, touches. He was actually, again, the, the Patriots scheme, one thing I will say, the Patriots run scheme is very fantasy friendly. Whoever does get the touches, whoever gets an opportunity, um, they do well. They, you know, Damian Harris was a top 12 PFF graded running back last year, but he is getting older. He has had injury issues. He's coming in at RB 30. So that's not, he's not very valuable, but to me, he's coming into the end of that rookie contract. The Patriots aren't really that kind of team. That's going to give him this big second contract. Who knows where he ends up next. It may not be a very good run scheme that he goes to, or he might be the second or third dude on the run on the, on the roster. Again, he's had some kind of issues with his um you know dependability he's missed a few games here and there so for me it's just a matter of in general i'm not super keen on running backs going into their second contracts anyway but for me he's not a special or elite talent that i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna make an exception for so again if i can sort of if he has a couple big games at the start of the year maybe a couple multi-touchdown games or something like that i'd be quite happy to get out from under him flip him for somebody else um i could easily see somebody like ramondre stevenson or you know Pierre Strong Jr., somebody like that taking over next year and them just letting Damian Harris walk for for nothing. So that would be my sort of goodbye, see you later. What about a sneaky stash? Do you have anybody that you're kind of looking to pick up off waivers or just get thrown in on a deal to help you roster this year, Rich? Yeah, this is a guy that I think is fast approaching one of my highest owned uh, players because I think basically I've I've picked him up off a lot of waivers. I've traded a lot of fourth and fifth round picks for him, quite frankly. And, and that's James White. Um, he's currently the fifth Patriots running back in ADP, which is slightly mind-blowing that shows you how how congested that backfield is. But I think this is the one guy in this offense that you can almost pencil in and say, we know exactly what his role is. And if you're using the 2021 numbers, it probably doesn't look like that great a role. You know, you talked earlier about, was it 21% of targets went to the running back last year well if you go back the three years before that the Patriots in 2020 were at 29 percent of targets to the running back in 2019 they were at 28 percent of the targets to running back and in 2018 they were at 36 percent of targets to running back I really think that 
again, is you know this this is a, a sneaky potential flex play that you're basically adding for free, isn't it? You know, if you're sitting here thinking this guy's going to be a top twenty four running back, probably not. If you're thinking that he's going to be a great guy to have in your roster in two years, definitely not. But if you are someone that can pick him up, maybe off some waiver wires for free, if you can trade as I have fourth or fifth round picks for a guy that I genuinely think is going to be in a flex conversation because of that target volume, I I, I think it's it's an easy stash for me. Yeah, little moves like that are really smart. I have a couple here I'm just going to throw out real quickly. I've got Kendrick Bourne, who he is kind of much maligned, very forgotten about. I think he's just got that stigma, you know, just one of those guys that's never going to be super valuable, even if he's really performing well for your team. And I think that's kind of who he is. I mean, he's literally coming in at wide receiver 93 so again similar to like your james white sort of you know take it's it's not going to cost you pretty much anything i wouldn't surprise i actually funny enough have a story in a in a 16 team league which is massive and we start multiple flex spots uh somebody was was basically in our rookie draft was like hey does anybody want kendrick Bourne? i'll take like 15 dollars fab for him and I was like, yes, I will give you $15 fab. Here you go. Thank you very much. Um, you know, so that's how little he is thought of out there. And he finished, honestly, he only finished, he finishes uh, wide receiver 34 last year. So he was only four spots behind Jacoby Myers. He only had 70 targets. He was very efficient with, uh, with those targets. He's a really interesting guy. There's a lot of underlying stats that I quite like about him. Um, the way he's being used in New England versus the way he was used in the past with San Francisco and stuff like that. He's certainly somebody that, again, you can pick up for free or maybe just get thrown in for like a fourth or something like that that could easily be like a flex option or seeing how things go he may even become more than that and my last guy i will throw out here is pierre strong jr kind of ties in with your james white thing i think that pierre strong jr is the heir apparent for the james white rule personally that would be my conviction i really like pierre strong jr um his tape coming out of college he came from a small, smaller school. Uh, he's obviously a fourth round pick, so he's probably not going to necessarily hit the ground running. I wouldn't expect this year, but somebody that you could stash, he's RB60, not going to cost you a lot to invest in. And if things are going to go to plan, he could easily step into that James White type role, which could be very valuable for fantasy because pass catching running backs is where the money is made. There you go. We have talked New England Patriots. I'm really proud of Rich. He's not been too harsh on his hated enemy, the 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 ones who have tortured him and destroyed his soul for years. I am going to ask though, Rich, do you have a bold prediction for the New England Patriots in 2022? I have a prediction. I don't know if it's if if it can be classified as bold, but my prediction is that the Pats don't make the playoffs. There we go. Right after I just praised you for leaving your bias aside, <laughs> your, your bull prediction is like, they're going to crash and burn and they're going to suck and everything's going to be terrible. And it's going to be glorious. Yeah. Um, no, I get it. I mean, I could see that happening. You know, it's, it's a definitely tougher division now than it has been in years past. And with, um, you know, Josh McDaniels leaving and things like that, it will be, it will be a sort of an uphill battle for them. I am, I'm going to make a bold prediction then just to spite you. Uh, I'm going to say that Mac Jones finishes as a top 12 <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> just because I would love that so much um, if that did happen. I don't know that it will, but I think that would be hilarious if it did happen. So that's what my, my bold prediction is going to be. Hope you guys have enjoyed that. Check it out. Let us know what you think of the picks. And if you have any of your own, we are going to be moving on now to another team. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. 
My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those Arby's You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those Arby's on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate